Wow. Wow. What wonderful testimonies. Thank you guys for, for sharing that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of you that were, a lot of you that have come in um, kind of partway through the service, I think it's about right that we extend uh, another Happy New Year. So one more time. Happy New Year, church. Happy New Year. I need you to wear the person next to you and say to them, Happy New Year. That's right. Keep them awake. Keep them awake. Fantastic. So, so 2021, we made it. We made it. Who, who's happy that 2020 is finally over? Is anyone happy that it's finally over, right? What, what a year. It, it must have been the most eventful year of my lifetime. Like, honestly. And, and I, I don't really want to get into the details again. I think we, we've thought about it long enough. And, and I know for a lot of people, it was, a, it was a very hard year in many ways. Like, nine months of, of lockdown, you know, job losses, sickness, losing family, the list could go on. And, and for a lot of people, it was in some ways the best year ever. You know, we, we've, had, we've had engagements, we've had marriages, we've had new births, we've had people getting saved, we've had people coming to the church... So it was really a year of, of, of two tales. And, and, and more than anything, what, we, what I want us to remember is that when our circumstances change, our relationships change, our homes change, the tears change, our clothes change, and even when we change, there is someone who doesn't change. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, his name begins with a G, so can you help me out, church? I'm talking about God <laughs> with a G. But you, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. You, you, you bunch of Trinitarians. I see what you did there. So, so, so God doesn't change. God doesn't change. He remains faithful. He remains merciful. He remains just. He remains in control. Amen? Amen. Amen. And he's in control. Always has been and always will be. So that's why, you know, when you decide to start the year in the, the house of the Lord, you know, you, you've made a good decision. You've made a good decision. You're in the right place. And, and every new year, if you've been in church for any longer than 20 minutes, you'll know that people want to know, what is God going to do this year? What is God doing in 2021? You know, some people, in pre some people in previous years, they like to get really prophetic about it, deciding what kind of year, declaring what kind of year it's going to be. So, you know, a couple of years ago in 2016, people might have said, 2016, God is doing a new thing. You know, they love to make it rhyme. You know, do you know what I mean? 2017, blessings like you've never seen. Or, or 2018, he'll fulfill great dreams. And it's funny, you know, I think if I could go back in hindsight and declare what kind of year 2020 would be, I would have said 2020, time to get the face mask ready. That kind of year. So, so 2021, what is God doing? And that's, that's really a big question that I want us to be thinking about as we come to, to the passage we'll read later. Because we've got high expectations. We want the year to be fruitful. We've got our resolutions. We've looked back. We've seen how far we've come. We've heard the testimonies. And now we're looking forward to see how far we can go. And, and we've been disappointed before. And we're tired of the disappointment. We, we just want the good Lord to be good to us this year. So we want to know what is God doing. And I, I don't know everything that God is doing. Like I said, God is in control. God will do what God will do. God knows what's best. He knows he will do whatever is best for his glory. What he is doing tomorrow, I, I don't know. But can I tell you what I do know? I, and I know one thing about what God is doing right now. There's something that God is doing that when the angels in the heavens see it, they jump for joy. 
But I, I feel that when I tell you about this thing, you're, you're going to hear it and think, okay, <laughs> like, okay, what, what, is, what is God doing? Well, one thing that God is doing is God is doing something in the church. God is building his church. He, he's calling together many parts from all over the place and he's putting it together and he calls it the body of Christ. So, so I believe that God is doing something so wonderful in the church that, that because we've got used to the routine, we, we just think that church is not heavenly. We think that church is just, is just a supplement, but it's not God's sovereign grace, not his supernatural power at work. And, and our, our church is, our church is full of people from all over the world. Just look around, you've got different strokes, different folks, and, and one thing that we all have in common, though our stories may be different, is that if you're in Christ, one thing we all hold in common is that you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. That, that, that's it. Like that, that's the one thing we have in common. Though your sins were many, by the blood of Jesus, you've been washed clean. We will live forever. Death will just be a doorway. And again, I fear that sometimes because we, we, we get so used to seeing this and hearing this, we, we think that church is just kind of nice. Like it's kind, it's kind of nice to be able to come to a place every Sunday and see familiar faces. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of good. And, the routine. I, I fear that we, we say we love each other, but do we really love each other? We say we want to serve God, but what about his body? We say that we want to love God, but what about his body? What is God doing? Well, he, he's building his church because he, he loves his church. He's proud of his church. He sent his son to die for his church and he's given his spirit to fill his church. And that's why he calls the church the body of Christ. So do, do you know how, how precious the body of Christ is? Like how precious it is to be called the body of Christ? Let, let's just think a, about the physical body of Christ for a second. The, the most important, the most precious body that has ever existed. You know how, how Jesus, who is God, took on human flesh, a real body, and he lived a righteous life so that he'd have a perfect body? And then he dies on a cross, going through excruciating pain in our place for our sins in that body. But the story doesn't stop there. Because having the power over life and death, he rose again from the grave with a new resurrected body. Amen? And, and gives eternal life to those who believe. The most important body that's ever existed. And everyone who believes, he brings together and calls his body. So to be the body of Christ is a beautiful thing. And, and I want this message, I want this sermon to be a catalyst. I want this message to, to further what God is doing in growing our body in numbers and in spirit. Whatever 2021 brings, I want us to be a church where nobody thinks they have to go through things alone because they know they're part of a body. I want us to be a church that God uses to draw sinners out of their path to destruction I want us to be a church where people, people's God-given gifts are used for the glory of God. I don't want to be a church where people go missing for months and nobody from the church reaches out to them. I don't want, to, I don't want people to think it's okay to just disappear because no one will notice or I'm busy. I don't want people to get comfortable just watching a live stream from time to time thinking it's okay because I can worship God at home. I don't want people to say that things like, and I've heard this a lot of times in church, 
We, we don't have to be friends, you know, we can be just brother and sister. As if brother and sister isn't even closer than a friendship. Because we belong to one spirit, one Christ, and our one body. So can you say that after me? We belong to one spirit, one Christ, and one body. Just checking you guys are still awake. And so we're going to be looking at the New Testament passage of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31, to unpack this. So if you can turn to your Bibles and, and get that open, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. So as you, as you turn there, before we get into the passage, I just want to give a little intro to the church in focus. Is that okay? Is that cool? Yeah? So the letter to the Corinthians, written by Paul the Apostle and a brother called Sosthenes. Now, now this church was one that Paul knew very well because he preached the gospel to these Corinthians. He'd seen them baptized and, and he spent at least 18 months living with them. He had a lot of time for the Corinthians because when you pour yourself out into a body of people, you grow to love that body. And, and ultimately, God pours himself out into each and every body of believers. So how much more does God care for his body? I describe Corinth as the city of self. I describe Corinth as the city of self. It's a, a city in Greece that's still standing today, so you can go and visit it. Today it's quite small and not too busy, but ancient Corinth, at the time this was written, was a, a bustling city placed on an important trade route. So a diverse people from all cultures, and no doubt the Corinthian church would have been a diverse people group as well. And when I look at us as a church, I praise, I praise God for our diversity. We can say, we can say, Grace Baptist Church, that we are a truly multi-ethnic church. And praise God for that. So you can see the diversity when you look around. We praise God for that. But this city wasn't just known, Corinth wasn't just known for trade and diversity. It was, it was known more so for idolatry, violence, corruption, and sexual immorality. I could give a lot of examples. I could give a lot of examples, but probably the biggest example of the culture in Corinth was, was that the temple they had set up there of the goddess of love, beauty, and fertility, Aphrodite. Quick history lesson. That, that temple was served by over 1,000 sacred prostitutes. Who, who would have sex in the temple of Aphrodite for money. So you can imagine how well that went down with some of the businessmen that would stop by Corinth on a, on a business trip. And, and I'm sure that some of them stayed a few extra nights. And that's why there was a saying developed by a Greek philosopher called Strabo. It says, not for everyone is the voyage to Corinth. But hear this. In, in this city known for evil, abuse and sin... God sent a man called Paul to preach a message about a God-man called Jesus that the average men and women would believe. And by believing, he be filled by his spirit, creating a body of believers. One spirit, one Christ, one body. But even in this body, they had their issues. They were, expect, they were experiencing a lot of division in Corinth. And, and now division isn't good, is it? Like We, we love diversity, but we hate division. And, and the church was having div divisive issues over everything from which teacher they followed, sexual ethics, how they used their spiritual gifts, food offered to idols, gender roles, doctrine, marriage. You name an issue, the Corinthian church had beef about it. So as we read our passage, 
And this is, this is why the context is helpful. As we read our passage, we're going to learn things about unity in the body that is meant to deal with even the most painful and seemingly irredeemable situations. And if you can follow with me, I promise you'll be blessed by it. So let's dive into the passage, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were a nose, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Amen. Amen. So today I've got three points for you that I want you to, to follow. And if you have a pen and pad, I'd love you to write them down. There's three points. One, we are many parts but one body. We are many parts but one body. Two, we are many parts but all equal. We are many parts but all equal. And three, we have many gifts but all for Christ. We have many gifts but all for Christ. Many parts but one body. So again we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That means that though we are many, we are one. It's unity. Oneness. So when I say that we are one body, this is where the angels are jumping, but some people in the body might be sleeping. For, for so many people, church is a place you go, not the body that God grows. Many parts, but one body. Again, like I said before, the idea of the body of Christ is crucial 
in the New Testament and for us today. When we think about the body of Christ, three things should come to mind. One is the physical body of Jesus, the physical body of Christ that I mentioned before, by which we are saved, broken for us by which we are saved. Secondly, the symbolic body that we symbolize in the Lord's Supper. We read of that in 1 Corinthians 5. The body broken for us and the blood that was shed for us, the bread and the wine of the communion. But thirdly, the, the gathered body, the local and universal church. All those who have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ are members of the universal body. Amen? But here, here the focus is on smaller gatherings of Christians in local bodies that we call churches. And so if, if you've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, can I hear you say amen? amen. So, so everyone that just said amen, if you've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've not just been brought to Christ, but you've been brought to his body. But verse 12 says, baptized into one body, to each other. So, so meet your members. At one time, we were enemies of God. And by his spirit, we have become friends of God and members of his body. Because by the spirit of God, we've been baptized. Verse 13 says, into one body. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ, by the power of God for salvation. Amen. And so when, when you believed that Jesus has washed away your sins and surrendered your will to his will, you were baptized into the body of Christ. And this is the beautiful thing. The same Holy Spirit that opened my eyes, opened your eyes. The same Holy Spirit that opened my eyes, opened your eyes, and opened your eyes, and your eyes. Not, not a single person in this room or, or watching on the live stream can love Jesus, be saved from eternal judgment, be made a new person, unless you're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to pause there for a second because I, I know some of us here have different... All true believers, whether you speak in a tongue or not, have been renewed by the Holy Spirit, are led by the Holy Spirit, and have been filled by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 tells us, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... So can you see that unity... When, when you look around, like, it's easy to see that we're different. It's easy to see the diversity. But how easily can you see the unity? Because we're, we're all one. Can you see that we're one? It's easy to see that we're many, but can you see that we're one? You know, just think about what it means to be baptized by the Spirit, born again. We, we had some testimonies this morning, beautiful testimonies. Beautiful testimonies. And though the testimonies are different, you know, there's one testimony that, that every Christian has, that every Christian shares in common, that Jesus paid, knows our sins, paid for our sins, and forgives our sins. And if you want to illustrate what, what this means, then you could do something like this. You could take a piece of paper, you could write on that piece of paper every sin that you've committed, all the lying, all the stealing, all the fraud, all the cheating, all the sleeping around, all the fighting, all the bullying, all the idolatry. You could write all of that on a piece of paper and then you could take that paper and hold it up and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Father, I can't do this anymore. I, can't, I, I give you my sin. I want your life, Jesus. I want your life. And Jesus takes that list and this is what he does. He says, it is finished. But that's not just for you. That's for all of us. He takes our sin away. So when you look at your brother or sister 
Are you seeing somebody who has been washed clean by the same blood that has washed you clean? Baptized by the same spirit that has filled you? Christ calls us, Christ saves us, Christ unites us, and Christ empowers us. Christ calls us, Christ saves us, Christ unites us, and Christ empowers us. Many parts, but one body. And this body transcends any boundary. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us, For in one spirit you were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So just, just look at those types of people. You've got Jews and Greeks. The Jews hated the Greeks. The Jews hated the Gentiles. You, you've got slaves and free. So you've got, you've got, those, that, you've got those that are serving and you, you have those that are served. And just to clarify, the Bible is not in any way condoning transatlantic type slavery. The Bible in no way is condoning human trafficking. The Bible is in no way con- condoning, condoning kidnapping. And Exodus 21 verse 16 tells us that anybody who steals and sells a man in the Old Testament and is found in possession of him should be put to death. So let us not get confused when we see the word slaves. People would often sell themselves into slavery to pay off debt. But even the slaves were meant to be treated with dignity, with love, with respect. So the Spirit of God unites even the slave or the servant, bond servant translations say, and the free. And so the baptism of the Spirit unites us across all barriers. And in our context, we have young and old, we have white and black, we've got African, Asian, European, we've got richer, poorer, we've got homegrown, we've got migrants, we've got travelers, we've got the single, we've got the married, we've got the employed, we've got the unemployed, students, those who were raised in church, those who were raised outside of church, we've got parents, we've got children. And yet, if you're in Christ, verse 13 says that we were all baptized into one body, made to drink of one spirit. You know, at the, um, at the height of some of the Black Lives Matter protests last year, you know, it was a very divisive time, I, I was reminded of, you know, at times in my life when I'd been discriminated against because of the colour of my skin. And I was reminded of, of all those times. And yet, I, one thing that, that dawned on me is that I, I have more in common with a, with a white man that's been washed clean by the blood of Christ then, then I have in common with a black man who has experienced the racism I've experienced, but doesn't have the spirit of God. And, and to even push this a bit further, Derek Chauvin, the, the man who put his knee on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds until his life left his body. If, if he turned from his sins, followed Jesus as savior and was born again by the spirit of God, that man becomes my brother. And though we are many, we are one. That's how deep the blood of Jesus runs. He's able to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So when we come to Christ, we've got to see each other that way. We can't be seeing each other through the lens of what that person looks like or their past or my preference, but through the blood and the spirit of God. And that's not by accident. That's not, that didn't just happen. It doesn't just fall into place. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. The body has been created to be diverse of many united parts. We have the arms, we have the legs, the hands, we've got the fingernails. The, the body is made of over 200 different types of cells. Many parts, but one body. And this is consistent with how God creates. It's consistent with who God is. 
God, God is one, but exists in three persons. The Trinity. God created man in his image, but in two parts, male and female. God created the body, one body and many, many members. God created the family, one unit, distinct roles. God created the church, one body, many characteristics, colours, ages, perspectives. God loves diverse unity. And his son Jesus is the unifier. Many parts, but one body. So, so just walk with me as I give a couple of applications to this first point. Many parts, but one body. I mean, the first thing I think is quite clear is that you just can't do church by yourself. You just can't do church by yourself. So often people have this idea that church is between me and God. That I can worship God in my room. I don't have to sing out loud because it's just me and God. I don't have to share my faith because it's just me and God. I, but, but God is saying, I put you in a body. God is saying, I put you in a body. But, but so many times we say, I, 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 it's like it's the age of the I Christian. God, God has brought us to love the body, to sing to the body, to worship with the body. If the church is a family, then each time we gather, it's a family reunion. And, and what father doesn't love to see his children gather around united? You can't do church by yourself. But also, if you love Christ, then you'll love the church. Amen? So, so your love for the church is determined by your the- theology about the church. Your, your love for the church is determined by your theology of the church. So if the church is the body of Christ, is the church the body of Christ? Then your love for the church shows your love for Christ. John, 5, John 13, 35, Jesus tells his disciples, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Oh Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to see more of you. But when was the last time you saw his body? <laughs> 1 John 5, 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. If you love Christ, you'll love the church. And, and this one, I'm, I'm coming directly to, to challenge some thoughts. I'm coming directly to challenge. Love for the church is not about who you click with. So often I hear people say things like how I started in the, in the intro. You know, yeah, that, that person's my brother, but they don't have to be my friend. That, that person's my, my sister, but she doesn't have to be my friend. And that, that sounds like, it sounds like pragmatic, right? It sounds kind of, it sounds like it makes sense. But, but what we're really saying, if we dig into that is... Me and that person don't vibe, so I don't really want to do any more than I have to. I don't really want to go any further than I must. You know, you, you, you might be a, an extrovert and that person is just a bit too by themselves. You, you might be an introvert and that person is a bit, just a bit too much energy for me. I can't, I can't deal. And you, you might just find that person kind of awkward. Or, or you might just be lazy with relationships. And, and it always has to be somebody else to make the first move. I won't, I won't step if they don't step first. And for whatever reason, you just don't click. That's, that's, but that's, that's bro, that's sis, but not friend. And, and what ends up happening is that you, you don't really talk to the person. You, you act closed off around them, and, and you don't even know anything about them. They, they don't feel like you care for them. But we feel justified because that's bro, that's sis. It's not friend. But I said at the beginning, what bond is closer, brother, sister, or friend? And, and if brother, sister is even closer than friend, 
then who has more responsibility for each other, brother, sister, or friend? We're one in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26. Verse 26 says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. You know, just think about it. Think about it. How much do you think you clicked? You clicked with, with Jesus? When, when you were living in sin and spitting in his face? How, how much do you think you clicked with God when you were an enemy of him? And, and if Jesus can die for his enemies, then you can spend some quality time with someone that you don't click with. So I know that somebody who, who loves Jesus has to reach out to a certain someone after service today. Love for the church is not about who you click with. And, and lastly, before we move to our next point, if, if this is no appeal to you, you know, love for the body, many parts but one body, then it might be because you have no love for Christ in your heart. Like, it's true. Some, some people just don't care. This is not, this is not appealing. And, and if you don't love Christ's body, can you say you love Christ? And I just want people to be honest. Because if you, if you don't love Christ, that means that your sins aren't forgiven. It means that your heart is still dead in sin. And if you closed your eyes now and they never opened again and you were to give up your life, when you wake up, you would see the eternal judgment of God for your sins. But you can be forgiven. You can be saved. You can love the body. You can turn to Jesus. Many parts but one body. Many parts but one body. So, so that, that was all point number one. <laughs> that was all point number one. How are we doing, guys? We, we, just, we still awake? We still alive? So I, I know that it's, it's quite in depth. And, and I just can't let us walk into 2021 and, and not grow as the body of Christ that we're meant to be. Like, I, I know, it, I know it's, it's detailed. I know it, it could be a little bit long, but I, I just don't want us to ever be in a situation where our arm is bleeding, but the foot doesn't know and the eye doesn't care. You know, so, some people think that what Jesus is asking for is, is too much transparency. But I'm thinking, hasn't your body seen the rest of your body naked? Like, what, what level of trans- transparency do we think that Christ is calling us to? The body of Christ is a body. Many parts, but one body. Many parts, but one body. But now for my, for my second point, I want everyone to repeat after me. Many parts, but all equal. Amen. Many parts were all equal. 1 Corinthians 12, 15, we read, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Then we read later in verses 21 to 24, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it. Amen? God has done this on purpose. And why? Well, verse 25 tells us that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The word care here is, is the same word that is translated in Matthew 6, 31, when Jesus says, do not be anxious. 
about what you eat or drink. It, car it carries the weight of anxiety for one another. Deep concern and care for one another. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a medic or a doctor. You know, I have no medical experience, but I do know some basic anatomy. One, one thing I know about the body is that your positional function in the body doesn't make you any more or less part of the body, right? The, the leg isn't more of the body than the arm. Just because the brain needs the body doesn't make it more of the body. You, you, you don't earn your way into the body by how much you give to the body and you're not any less part of the body by how much you don't give to the body. Just because I've preached a number of times doesn't mean I'm more a member of the body than Baha, who became a, a Christian and, and became a member just last month. Just, be, just because Pastor Ryan has been here for so many years and preaches doesn't mean he's any more part of the body than Leslie, who became a Christian just last year. Just because Sister Leone, who's watching on the live stream, has been in Christ for, for decades doesn't mean that she's any more part of the body than Michelle, who's been walking with Christ for a few years. And that might make some people upset because we, we want to be rewarded for our service. We want that long-standing members medal. <laughs> but, but don't worry because the rewards, don't worry about the rewards because our reward in heaven is based on the service of Jesus Christ. So, so you're getting a lot more than you deserve. Don't you worry about that. But the point is that the blood that unites us and the spirit that has baptized us has no favorites has no favorites. We're equal even if the roles that we play are different. And this is why you should never think too highly of yourself and you also should not think too lowly of yourself. We don't like pride, but we also don't like false humility. And, and I'm sure there are people here who think, do you know what, if I stayed at home, it, it doesn't really matter too much because I, I don't really do much anyway. You know, and, there, and I'm sure there are people that think, you know, if, if, if that person who I don't really click with stayed at home, I wouldn't really mind too much, you know. But, but that thinking is not of Christ. That thinking is of the devil. Yeah. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 21, 12, verse 21 to 23. Again, that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Are indispensable. So he's explaining to the Corinthian church that just because you may think people aren't important doesn't mean that the Lord does. That couldn't be any further from the truth. He says that the same way that our bodies have parts that are delicate, weaker, our toes, certain parts that we cover up, that we keep private, we, we treat them with greater honor by protecting them. So some parts might be out on display, but other parts are protect, protected with much dignity because we may be many parts, but are all equal. Again, verse 24, God has composed the body this way. It's not by accident. And I want you to look back with me to verse 22. And I, I, there's a word there, really important word. I need you to repeat this after me. Say the word weaker. Weaker. That word weaker appears in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 7 to 13, where Paul is telling the Corinthians about how they should put their brothers' and sisters' consciences before their own. So he explains that if it will cause a brother to sin, he won't eat certain foods that have been offered to idols. We know that Corinth had a lot of idols going on. We talked about Aphrodite, who's just one of the many idols. 
Paul knows that he can eat those foods because those idols don't really exist. So he's got the theology. But if, his, if it causes his brother to sin because their conscience is weaker, then he won't eat these foods. He'll care for his brothers whose conscience is weak. So the brother is not as clued up as Paul, still really sensitive and unsure about things. And that might be a lot of you today. You, you might think, I, I know the Bible a little bit, but I don't know the Bible like that. Like, you know, I don't know like that, like that. And, and yet, even the ones who are weaker are indispensable. Indispensable. That means you're not just welcome here. That doesn't mean you can just come if you like. That means we can't do without you. We cannot throw you away. If you're in Christ but you're struggling, you're more than welcome here. You are more than welcome here. If you're covered by that blood, you are indispensable. And there's a reason that God has placed you in our fold. And if you left us because you thought you didn't have a place, we, the body, will suffer. We will suffer. The Corinthians thought that the ones who had the cool gifts were the important ones. But 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that no matter how gifted you are, if you don't have love, you're nothing. Nothing. We are many, but we are equal. And there's beauty in diverse unity. Just for a second, I want you to just look at your hands. Look at your arms. Go and look at them, look at them. Don't be scared, it's your hand. Look at your hand, look at your arms, look at your leg for a second. And just imagine your whole body was only made of eyes. You would look hideous. If your whole body was only made of ears, you would look terrifying. And, and a body without diversity, that would be hideous to God. So no matter how important we think we are, without the body, there's no use for us. What, what's an arm without a body? What's an eye without a body? What's a foot without a body? What's a preacher without people to preach to? What's an encourager without people to encourage? What's a helper without people to help? What's a teacher without people to teach? What's a host without people to host? You're, you're only as important as the body you belong to. But we belong to the body of Christ. So together, we're indispensable. But alone, we have no use. I just want to give a, another illustration because th for me, this is so important to, to drive us forward as a church in spirit-filled unity this year. So I, I really want to press it home by just showing all of the ways that God, that God teaches us about this diverse unity. One spirit, one Christ, one body. You know, when, when God creates things, he creates them to reflect him in some way. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as people, we've been given a unique privilege to reflect God in unique ways. No one type of person can reflect the total image of God. It's impossible. You can't. We need diverse people to reflect the diversity of God's character. So, so we, we, we see God as a father. So we see God through the fathers in our body. We see God as a life giver. So we see God through the mothers in the body. We see, we see that God's words are sweet, the psalmist says. So, so we see God through the singers in the body. We see God as a helper. So we see God through the wives in the body. We see God as our leader. So we see God through the husbands in the body. God gives salvation. So we see God through the new believers in the body. God remains faithful. So we see God through the older saints in the body. God is one but three, Trinity. 
So we can see God through one human race by different colours in the body. We all reflect the image of our beautiful creator God. So in many parts, but all equal. Can someone say many parts, but all equal? Amen. So let's do a quick application right now. The first one, the first way I think this text helps us move forward is that we've got to have an attitude of blessing us with your presence. Bless us, the body, with your presence. Be present. If we are many parts but equal, then let's live like it. Let's lean into the body. You you know, it breaks my heart. A couple of months ago, I asked to see the members list of the church so I could know how to pray for people in the church. And it broke my heart because I love that there are so many names, but it, it hurt that there were so many names I had never seen before. So many names of people who, for one, re- one reason or another, just haven't been present. And, and I understand that COVID has made it difficult. I understand that things happen. I understand. And, and if, if there are genuine reasons why one has not been with us, I, I understand. But it breaks my heart to know there are people who are not around because they just don't think it matters. They just don't think it's that deep. But each one of those names is someone who professes faith in Christ and they are indispensable. You are indispensable in the body. So it matters. Bless us with your presence. I'm not just talking about a couple of hours on a Sunday. Bless your body with your presence. It does matter. You do matter. And if we really believe this, the fact that we are many parts but all equal, then let, let's not look at the pastor's role or the preacher's role or, or the, the music leader's role as more important or as most important. Of course, the, the role of spiritual authority is crucial. And we should pray for our leaders. But let's be honest, what power does a preacher have if the seats are empty? In fact, what power does a preacher have if the seats are, em- if the seats are full but the hearts are empty? In fact, what power, does a, what, what power does a preacher have if, if the things that he, he is teaching through the word, there are not hands and feet to go and live that out? Whether you've been saved for 20 minutes or you've been saved for 20 years, you are indispensable. So act like it. At the end of the service, I really want you to, I, I really would love if this phrase was your most commonly used phrase for this year, for 2021. The phrase, how can I serve you? Can we just practice that? How can I serve you? I guarantee if you ask everyone in the church that question, you'll find more than enough ways that you can be a blessing to the body. And equal doesn't mean the same. Equal does not mean the same. Just because we're one in Christ doesn't mean we're the same in life. We're different and God loves the diversity. So trust me, as we grow... I praise God for the growth we've had. As we grow, we will, as we grow, we will go through some birth pains. There will be some birth pains where, where, where people will come and some people will like that music and other people will like that music. Some people will like the worship that way and some people will like the worship that way and, and some people will think we should do this and some people should do, think we should do that. And, and people will want to choir to worship, people will want to allow the worship. There's... There's all sorts of birth pains that we will experience. And now, we will never stray out of line with what the scripture teaches. 
We will never, we are a, a not, we, we, when we say we're a Bible-believing church, that's not just for the branding. That's for the practice and application. But even when you have godly choices, our, our diversity will cause clashes. It's unavoidable on this side of eternity. But if we remember one spirit, one body, one church, I think we'll be okay. We're, we're many parts, but all equal. Many parts, but all, but all equal. And, and for, my, for my last point, for my last point, many gifts, but all for Christ. Many gifts, but all for Christ. If we look down to the, to the end of the passage, verses 27 to 31, You'll see, now Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gift. And I will show you still a more excellent way. In the New Testament, we have at least three distinct places where spiritual gifts are taught about. The first is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, particularly verses 8 to 10, introduce that. We also have Romans 12 verses 4 to 6. We also have Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 12. And, and if, you, if you crack open those passages, one thing I hope you'll notice is that each list is different. There's no one list of all the spiritual gifts. There's no exhaustive list of, of spiritual gifts. So if you look at any of those lists and you can't quite see one that matches your gift, that doesn't mean you're not gifted. That doesn't mean you're not gifted. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 47 tell us there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And hear this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. So every believer has a spiritual gift that God has given to be used for the common good, for the body. Amen? That means if you're gifted to sing, you sing for the body. If you're gifted to help, you help the body. If you're gifted in hospitality, that's for the body. If you're gifted in cooking, that's for the body. If you're gifted in songwriting, that's for the body. If you're gifted in digital media, technology, piano playing, cajon playing, explaining things, encouraging, faith, evangelizing, relationship building, organization, that is for the body. And, and it's empowered by the Spirit of God and blesses the people of God. So it's a gift of God, no matter how average it might seem to you. Many gifts, but all for Christ. The gift is for Jesus' glory. So when we, when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, though, there's always an elephant in the room. <laughs> what about the apostles? What about the prophets? What about the tongues? Huh? What about the tongues? Do, the, do those gifts still apply today? And it's funny because usually people come to 1 Corinthians to make the exact same mistake that the Corinthian church was making, where, where they focus purely on the big gifts as if they're the most important. So, so whether certain gifts are or are not still given today, isn't the body more than just one gift? But I want to quickly deal with them in this text. So, so when it comes to certain gifts, 
when it comes to certain gifts, I'm open but cautious. I'm open but cautious. Apart from the office of apostle, I, I don't think that any of the spiritual gifts have definitively ceased for all times. God may grant them, but he may not. God may grant them, but he may not. Now, not everybody may agree. There's differences in our church. And, and I actually think that the, the point of this text is not to have a debate or discussion about what is and what isn't, but rather to come away knowing that we are many gifts, but all for Christ. So, so I'll quickly talk through them. We have the apostles. Apostle means sent one. And, and these were people who Jesus gave his authority to. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says to his 12 disciples, apostles, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Judas, who had killed himself by that time, was replaced by Matthias as an apostle in Acts chapter 1. Paul and other leading men were apostles sent out with authority of Christ to proclaim the message of the gospel. They had the authority to write words that we now recognize as God's words. They would perform amazing miracles. For example, in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 to 12, we read that God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Wow. Wow. But, but the apostles were not replaced when they died. And nobody else was given that divine authority again. We do not have apostles today. Even if people give themselves that title, the, ap the apostolic age has ceased. A gift to the church. Prophecy. Prophets. People, filled, people gifted by God to speak messages directly from the Lord himself. People sometimes, prophets sometimes speak of events to come. A lot of the time they speak of messages of repentance to turn back to God's revealed word. And, and this one is, is very dangerous because a lot of people today are quick to say, thus says the Lord. A lot of people are quick to say, God is saying. And I don't want to claim to be like God's press manager, telling you everything that he is or isn't saying and calling everybody a false prophet. But, but I do want you to take those words God said very seriously. Very seriously. If you're a prophet, this is the criteria. Deuteronomy 13.1 tells us you must be in submission to the will of God. You must be in submission to the will of God. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises you, from Deuteronomy 13 verse 1, if a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known. So the prophecy has come true. The dream has come true, and they say, let us go to other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. God says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. A prophet must be in submission to the will of God. A prophecy must be in, a, in submission to the will of God. But also their prophecies must be true. Deuteronomy 18, verses 21 to 22 tell us, If you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass, pass that or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. 
a lot of self-proclaimed prophets give very general prophecies, so you can't really hold them accountable. Like in, in 2020, they said that God was saying he's going to give you a harvest, whatever that is. He's going to shower you with favor, whatever that looks like. Couldn't they warn us about the social distancing? Couldn't they warn us about lockdown? You know, 2,000 years ago, a false prophet in, in our midst should have been bound up, dragged outside of the city and stoned to death for blaspheming in the name of the Lord. Deuteronomy 18 verse 20 says, The prophet who, who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not spoken, that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. I'm not saying that we should do that. But I am saying that prophecy can do a lot of harm if not understood, if not taken seriously. But prophecy can also do much good. It's a gift from God. The Corinthian church had prophets. Paul told them, in fact, to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, pursue love from verses 1 to 3 and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. But just keep it in order. Keep it in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that you may all learn and be encouraged. All gifts are for the common good. Tongues. Aha, tongues. Verse 28. Various types of glossa. Glossa, tongues. The gift of speaking in languages that you haven't learned. So we see this firstly in Acts 2, at a prayer meeting. Next, Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit filled the believers. You know in the scriptures, God often moves in the prayer meetings, by the way. So prayer meeting is a good place to be. They, they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, now we're not a Pentecostal church. That, that means we wouldn't say there's an expectation for all people to speak in tongues. And we don't say that you have to. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 29 says, do, do all speak with tongues? And, and that, that, little, that little passage in 1 Corinthians 12, all the questions in these two verses from verse 29 are introduced with the particle may in Greek, which means that all of these are rhetorical questions. So the expected answer is no. Do all speak with tongues? Well, no. But again, keep it in order. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27 to 28. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn. And let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. But that's not the point. The point is not to dissect these gifts and to be thinking today or not today. And to, that, that's not the point. Out, out of this list, I think that I think the scriptures are only clearly indicating conclusively that the gift of apostles are no longer in action today. So, but the rest of the gifts, God can give them when he pleases. He can also withhold them when he pleases. He can give them in a different measure. He can give them in a, he could, he, God, God can give them as he pleases because many gifts but all for Christ. Many gifts but all for Christ. You may speak in a tongue, you may not. You may prophesy, you may not. But no matter what gift you have, it's not about a rewarding for how holy you think you are compared to somebody else. It's not about you. It's for God to bless his people through you, no matter the gift. And no gift is more important than others. 
No gift is more important than others. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. One spirit, one Christ, one body. And, and the, the eye belongs to the body. So let me just, just give an illustration of, of how these gifts play out. The, the eye belongs to the body. The eye isn't better than the hand. But when the eye functions and plays its part, and the hand functions and plays its part, you, you can do some amazing things, amen? You, you can pick up something that's fallen to the ground. You can draw a masterpiece. You can help a neighbor in need. You can feed the hungry. You can change the world. That's called hand-eye coordination. So, so do you see what God is doing? Because when the body is in sync, God is able to do more in you and through you than the eye or the hand could ever do alone. If you're in Christ, you, you belong to the body. You're not better than anybody else and you're not lesser than anybody else. But when each play our part in God's body, we'll be surprised what God can do. We'll be surprised what God can do. Somebody prayed in 2021 that, somebody prayed for 2021 saying that it would be a year that God would show up in their life. And the way that he's going to do that is through his hands and feet, the body, the church. Somebody lacks confidence. They pray to God for boldness. So God gives somebody the gift of encouragement and says, here you go. Somebody is lonely. They, they pray to feel loved. And God gives somebody the gift of hospitality and says, here you go. Somebody is confused. They, they pray for direction. And God gives somebody the gift of discernment or wisdom and says, here you go. Somebody is struggling to desire God. They're praying, God, help me to delight in you. Help me to delight in you, God. And God, God gives somebody the gift of sweet music to stir up the soul and says, here you go. Somebody is broke. They have no money. Struggling to pay the bills. And God gives somebody else a pay rise and says, here you go. God blesses his body through the body. Many gifts, but all for Christ. So when two believers serve the body, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And again, I just want to end this point with some more applications. Find your gift. Find your gift. I know a lot of people might be thinking, how do I find my gift? Let your love lead you. Let your love lead you and you will find your gifts. Some people may not know what their gifts are. Some people may know what their gifts are. And I guarantee if you, ha- if you start with a heart for service, you will find it. Again, if you ask that question, how can I serve you enough times, you'll find enough opportunities and you'll find your gift. But again, we, we have to put Christ above our convenience. We have to put Christ above our convenience. The, the body is not about you. It's about Christ which means our gifts are to serve him, not to serve or protect our egos. And, and also, I think it's important to say, right? I think it's important to say, a common problem for Christians is the temptation to get so caught up in our spiritual gift that we only seek to serve God in the areas that we feel we've been gifted or are convenient for us. But, but that's not how spiritual gifts work. God calls us to obediently serve him in sacrifice in all things. So you might not think you're good at something, but so often you're the only one to fill that role. And, and in that case, you might say, no, I, I, I can't do it. There's someone better than me to serve. But a lot of the time, if we're being honest with ourselves, what we're really saying is that I don't want my flaws to be on display. I don't want my flaws to be on show. I'd rather play the background so somebody else can do it. And we put ourselves first. 
if you don't feel ready for something, then get ready. If you don't feel, if you don't feel ready for something, then get ready. But don't sit on the sidelines. The body needs all of its members functioning properly to grow. I know there are a lot of people in our church who are gifted, but are crippled by low confidence, low self-confidence. And guys, let us this year be a church that is known for encouragement. Let us be known for support, for building one another up. Let us look for ways to encourage others because I feel that so many of us are holding back our gifts and therefore holding back the work that the Lord can do through us. But we've got to step out of that fear, trusting that our gifts are not for us, but for the body, for Christ, and trusting him to empower us for service. Many gifts, but all for Christ. And now I'm coming to a close, I promise. I promise. But, but to recap, I just want you guys to, to repeat after me. Many parts, but one body. Many parts, but all equal. And many gifts, but all for Christ. Remember that. Remember one spirit, one Christ, one body. Let 2021 be a year for us as a church where we let God work through us, by us, working for each other. Church is no longer just a Sunday supplement, but a living, breathing body that grows and loves and serves the way God intended. God makes us many. The blood of Jesus makes us one. One spirit, one Christ, one body. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you and we praise you for your mercy to us, your love for us, Lord, and the power that you give us through your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we who are enemies of you, you have brought us together from many parts all over the world and have made us one. That the thing that holds us all in unity is the blood that cleanses us, the spirit that baptizes us, and the gifts that you give us to empower and serve your body, Lord. So I pray that as a church we would know, we would see the body the way you see the body. We would give for the body the way that you would have us give for the body. We would love the body as our way of loving you, Father. That we would love and serve each other. That people who have felt on the sidelines or have felt insignificant would realize they are indispensable. That they are indispensable to the body and to you. And so I pray this year would be full of sacrificial love, heartfelt service, encouragement, building up through the body. That we would be known as a place where God blesses his people through his hands and feet. I thank you for this and praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.